Be Christ's Church. Impact the valley. Reach the world. All for the glory of King Jesus. Welcome to the North Roanoke Podcast. Today we are blessed to have a guest preacher who will be opening God's word for us. Our prayer is that you will encounter the living Lord as you hear his word proclaimed. Good morning. If you turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, the Gospel of Luke chapter 17. It is great to be back with you all. And this morning, I want to begin just by thanking you for your generosity and your heart and love for the world, your support for missionaries who serve in places where the gospel needs to go and sometimes places where the gospel is only now getting there. Folks like Sam and Caitlin who are serving in a country which is dominated by the Muslim faith and for many that they speak to it's the first time they've ever heard of the story of Jesus. My friends uh, Ben and Alyssa who are serving in Canada planting a church like the Chos are. They're planting a church in Montreal where more people call in sick to work on Monday morning than attend a gospel-preaching church on Sunday, the day before. And I'm very grateful for your support of those kind of missionaries and your support of mission work here and around the state of Virginia. We're very grateful that you're a part of our family of churches. As Daniel has mentioned, I serve as a part of your state family and network of churches, and I get the opportunity to spend time with pastors and to try to encourage them, but also get other opportunities as well to come alongside churches and to not just help them during times of difficulty, but also times of celebration. And for that, I'm grateful. The Thanksgiving season is upon us, and that's the passage, why I chose the passage that I did today. In fact, before we read it, will you pray with me that the Lord open our eyes to be able to see it? Will you join me in prayer? Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you for the good news of salvation that has overcome the bad news of the brokenness that we see all around us and within us. Thank you for the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried and raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Thank you for his atoning blood, which satisfies your righteous wrath against our sin and guilt. Open our eyes that we might see wondrous things in your word. And we pray, based on the name and authority of Jesus, who even gives us the right to call upon you. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanksgiving is upon us, and it brought to my mind Luke chapter 17. In Luke 17, you'll see beginning in verse 11, There were ten men who were in a great dilemma, and they learned, they teach us the lesson that thankfulness makes a difference. Notice in Luke 17, beginning in verse 11, if you have it, say amen. If you don't have it, say oh me, and I give you a minute. All right. Begins in verse 11, and I'm reading from the ESV translation. On the way to Jerusalem, he, speaking of Jesus, was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 
he was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourself to the priests. And they went. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praised God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. Verse 17, then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Folks, we are blessed by God. Wouldn't you agree? Far beyond measure. Sometimes people, when they see me, they say, hello, how are you doing? And I say, I'm doing better than I deserved, and that's not a lie. Now, I stole it from Dave Ramsey, but it is not a lie. I'm doing better than I deserve. Our response to God's blessings indicate more about our hearts than we realize. It really does. You see, how we respond to God's blessings indicates the condition of our heart. I heard the story about a monk who was, because of his oath, was only allowed to ta- say two words every year after his first year. He comes to the head abbot to speak his two words, and he said to the abbot, better food. The head abbot understood, and he obliged the monk by hiring a new chef, and the food quality improved. A year later, the monk appears to speak his next two words, and he said, warmer blankets. The head abbot Gets right on it, and soon everyone has warm blankets. The next year, the monk appears once again before the head abbot, and he, used, he said his annual two words. He said, I quit. And you know what the head abbot replied? Well, good. All you've been doing since you came here is complain. Isn't that true about us sometimes? All we do is complain. Why is, th- why is giving thanks so important? Well, the Bible gives us several answers. First of all, the Bible commands us very simply to give thanks to God. Psalm 100, verse 4, enter his gates with what? Thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Psalm 105, verse 1, give thanks to the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. Psalm 106, verse 1, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Philippians 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, with what? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made to God. Why should we be thankful? Because the Lord commands it but let's go a little deeper second reason thanksgiving is important is because you cannot worship god without being thankful you see thanksgiving and praise worship they always go together hebrews 13 among many verses say this through him then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to god that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his 
name. We cannot worship God without being thankful. Another reason why thankfulness is important as we are here at Thanksgiving week, we need to be reminded that feeling and expressing appreciation, it's good for us. It's good for us. You see, human beings are prone to coveting. We tend to focus on what we don't have rather than what we have. And when we focus on our blessings rather than our wants, we're happier people. When we start thanking God for the things we usually take for granted, our perspective changes. The other day I was in the doctor's office and I saw this phrase and I wrote it down. I think it's the punchline for this sermon. If you never learn to speak the language of gratitude, you will never be on speaking terms with happiness. You see, feeling and expressing gratefulness, it's just good for us. In fact, 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, a verse I sent out to our pastors even this very morning and everything Give thanks for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, while gratefulness is good for us, not being grateful is bad for us. And in fact, according to Romans chapter 1, verse 21, not doing so darkens our hearts and minds, where it says there, for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And so they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. You see, with that gratitude, we become selfish and arrogant. We become self-centered. We begin to believe that we have achieved everything on our own. Thankfulness resets our hearts. It recalibrates us. It realigns us. But another reason why thankfulness is important is it's found in this passage right here. According to this passage that we just read in Luke chapter 17, a grateful spirit indicates a person where God's spirit lives. Said another way, true saving faith responds to God's blessings by glorifying Jesus from thankful hearts. In case, Daniel, you're grading my sermon, that's my point. That's where I'm driving. True saving faith responds to God's blessings by glorifying Jesus from thankful hearts. In our text in Luke chapter 17, we'll see that Jesus in his, is in his final days. He had every reason to focus on what was ahead, the crucifixion. However, Jesus continued to touch people and meet people where they were. Jesus is making his way to Jerusalem where he will meet with his appointed destiny, the cross. He's traveling somewhere between, uh, somewhere on the border between Samaria and Galilee when he enters a village and he encounters ten men with leprosy. Now, according to the law, they kept their distance. They did not try to get close to Jesus. They instead cried out to Jesus for mercy. And rather than drawing near and touching them, Jesus simply instructs them to go and show themselves to the priests. They had to act without total evidence, and as they were going, they were cleansed. But only one of them, a Samaritan, or as Jesus says in verse, the end of verse 16, a foreigner. He was the only one to turn back to glorify God and give thanks to Jesus for his great power and mercy and compassion the strong implication is that the other nine were Jews, not Samaritans. They were religious people who should have known better. 
Luke seems to put this here to show the increasing rejection of Jesus by the nation of Israel. Whereas this foreigner receives not only healing, it's clearly shown that he also receives salvation. Thus, he is showing the way of salvation is open to all who will call upon the Lord. To not just receive the healing of our bodies, but to realize that we might receive the healing of our bodies, but yet miss the ultimate healing, the healing of salvation of our souls. In other words, ten were healed, but only one was truly made well. There are three lessons that we find here. The first one is this. We are all unclean before God. We all are. We are all unclean before God. In the Bible, leprosy is recounted for us as a dreaded disease, but it is also a picture of sin. Leprosy rendered a man ceremonially defiled so that if, if he was healed, he still had to go to the priest and to carry out an extensive ritual of cleansing before he could be accepted back into the religious community. You can read about that in Leviticus chapter 14. The biblical word leprosy refers to a number of skin diseases, but the worst form of it was called Hansen's disease. William Barclay tells us that this was a dreaded disease that progressed toward fatality. Leprosy might begin with the loss of sensation in some part of your body. The muscles begin to waste away. Soon the tendons contract. There followed the ulceration of hands and feet and then comes the progression of the loss of fingers and toes until in the end perhaps a point would come when you would lose your whole hand or a whole foot it's kind of terrible progress a progressive death in which a man or a woman dies by inches while the physical disease was horrible the Terrible social consequences in ancient Israel only added to the misery. According to Josephus, lepers were treated as if they were, in effect, dead men walking. The Mosaic law prescribed that a person would be cut off from society, including his own family. He had to wear torn clothing, had to keep his head uh, uncovered. He would have to cover his lips, and whenever he came down the street, he would have to shout, unclean, unclean, to warn others to keep their distance. And Jesus encounters ten of those kind of men, ten of those wretched men, but they bound together. They were outcasts separated from their own people, separated from their own families. Now here's the kicker. The Bible wants all of us to see ourselves in our natural state before Christ as spiritual lepers in His sight. God wants us all to see that our hearts are deceitful and wicked. Who can know it? Which has already been quoted in this Service already from Jeremiah 17, 9. We are sick with sin, unclean before a holy God. Furthermore, just as this awful disease of leprosy separated the leper from the community, so sin separates us from our God and many of our human relationships. Sometimes our own family members, you yourself know that as this week comes, as Thanksgiving comes, you know that there is sin that separates even within your own family and you wonder what it's going to be like. Some of you dread the moment 
when your family gathers because of the sin and the brokenness among your own family. You know, friends, you can pick them, but your family, you're kind of stuck with them, right? That's a careful place not to say an amen. But you know, just as God could heal this dreaded disease of leprosy, oh, how God can heal that sinful life that you live. Those broken relationships that you know are there. This same God can restore that which is broken and that you see no hope with Jesus. There is hope. You see, the proud refusal of many to acknowledge our true condition as spiritual leopards is one of the main reasons people do not receive God's salvation in Jesus. We're all prone to say, you know, I may have my faults. After all, I'm only human, but I'm not a terrible sinner. I'm, I'm basically a good person. As the spiritual feeling in the tips of our fingers become numb. Oh, we're fine. We'll, we'll be fine. I'm not as bad as so-and-so. We can always think of someone who's more sinful than we are. Can't we? Don't name any names out loud, but you know what I'm saying. It's true. You see, that's what the Pharisees said about themselves. They said, we're basically good people, and in the process they missed the Savior that could ultimately heal them. That's what the lukewarm church in Laodicea is spoken of in Revelation chapter 3. We're rich, and we've become wealthy, and we have need of nothing. May that not be true of us. May we be honest to say that we're, we're like that, those lepers. We're broken, and we're in need of healing. To see, you see, to think that you're basically okay in God's sight is a surefire way to receive nothing from Him. In fact, according to Romans chapter 1, He will leave you to your own devices. If, you see, if these lepers, these ten lepers in the story, if they had thought we may be sick but we're not all, all that bad, then why would they have cried out to Jesus for mercy? If you believe yourself to be okay, then... Why would you be here today singing of King Jesus if he were not truly your king? So first of all, we need to see ourselves as spiritual lepers. Second thing this story teaches us is that we should all respond with faith. And true faith means believing. Then we see. It's interesting that when, the, when Jesus healed the leper uh, in Luke chapter 5, he first healed him and then sends him to the priest. But here in Luke 17, he does something different. He tells the ten, go see the priest and you'll be healed. And as they went on their way, they were healed. They had to take a step of faith. The scripture says, as they were going, they were cleansed. I wonder what that must have been like. As they're walking down the road on the way to the priest... All of a sudden, things were different. All of a sudden, they had feeling back. They were restored. You see, sometimes we need to understand that God asks upon us to believe, and then we see, to trust Him. 
You see, we must all live with trust in the Lord because we cannot manage our own lives and our own strength and resources and wisdom. Proverbs 3 says it well. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will make straight your paths. This word trust in Hebrew means to lay upon, to rest upon, to put full weight upon. In our modern language, we use the word trust to mean to rely upon or have confidence in. But the Old Testament word is so much stronger. It has the idea of stretching oneself out on a hard surface. In other words, to put your full weight into something. To trust in the Lord is to rest your whole weight upon Him, to depend upon Him completely. And that's what the Lord wants of us, to trust and follow Him. You see, we all inevitably live by faith. We all trust something. It wouldn't be difficult for us to calculate. I'm sorry, it would be very difficult for us to calculate how many times we've expressed faith and trust even today. In fact, I saw each one of you as you entered this room, almost all of you that I observed, you, you expressed faith. You know how you did it? I didn't see anybody walk in this room and look at the chair and make sure it was solid. You just sat in it, didn't you? This morning, I got into my vehicle, a Toyota, by the way, and I drove by my friend's house on the way here. After I pushed the little button and it started, how does it work? I have no idea, but I wasn't going to walk here, all right? Each morning when you brush your teeth and the water comes out of the faucet, do you, do you know for sure where that's coming from? I'm not trying to scare you. I'm just trying to tell you that we all have faith. We're sitting in this room with with lights on. Do we all know how that operates? No, we just flick the switch and we don't sit in the dark. You see, ultimately, we all express faith. The issue is, in what do we have faith? Jesus says, trust in the Lord. Not just trust in anything, trust in the Lord. And we can trust in the Lord because God alone is worthy of our trust, because His ways are just, His character is good, His nature is holy, His promises are sure, and His faithfulness is unchanging. The text we just read, Proverbs 3, says, Trust in the Lord. You see, faith is believing, and then we see, not the other way around. And that is a lesson for us all. Just imagine for a moment that thing you've been praying about, that you've been struggling with, and God says to you, just walk by faith and it'll be there when you need it. So many of us act like we're from Missouri and we want them to prove it. But instead, God says trust Him and to walk by faith. That includes this coming week and us being grateful for the answers to our prayers, even though we haven't seen it yet. I have them. Don't you? Don't you have things you've been praying for that you haven't haven't seen yet? Don't give up, my brothers and sisters. Don't give up. Express truth, faith. The third lesson that we learn here is we should all respond as the one leper did. He glorified God at Jesus' feet with a thankful heart. In fact, I will argue that the only man 
that the, the, only the man who returned to give thanks to Jesus was truly right with God. Ten were healed, but only one was truly made well. The nine got what they wanted from God in terms of healed bodies, but they went no further. They never returned to Jesus to receive salvation for their souls. They received the temporal benefit of healed bodies, but it was only the one grateful, thankful leper who returned to our Lord and proclaimed, Jesus proclaimed to him, Your faith has saved you. Those words are important. In the same way, it's possible to receive the special blessing from God in answer to prayer, such as the healing of a serious illness, but yet falls short of the best blessing of all. And that's a right relationship with God. When we realize God has blessed us with such temporal things, we must not become satisfied and think we've reached the finish line. In fact, I wonder, I wonder if God doesn't delay in his answers to our prayer until the 11th hour because he knows as soon as he answers the prayer that we offer and we get that answer, we stop praying. Isn't that true of all of us? Clearly, Jesus was pleased with the expression of thanks and grieved at the nine who walked away. Ten were healed, but only one was truly made well. You've heard it said that beauty is skin deep, but ugly goes to the bone. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Beauty might be skin deep. Healing might be skin deep, but ultimately true wellness goes to our very soul. This thankful leper represents the full fruit of saving faith, namely lips that give joyful thanks in Jesus' name. And the fact that this man was a Samaritan shows that the way of salvation is open to all who will call upon the name of the Lord. In fact, Jesus calls this man a foreigner. Daniel, by the way, that's a hopox legomena, only appears once in the New Testament. Jesus says, this man, this man, who is a foreigner, the other nine, by implication, should have known better. By the way, so are you and I. We should know better. What did this one leper do differently? First of all, notice verse 15, he turned back. He was physically healed, but he turned back. You know what that is? It's a beautiful picture of repentance. In stark contrast to the other 90% that were healed, only one turned back. We're often tempted to get what we want from God and to move on, to treat God as if he's some genie in a bottle. As if our whole purpose in life is to get our answers to prayers and to move on and live our best life now. I'm here to tell you that the best life we have is ahead of us. It's not even in this world, it's in the next You see, I think the one realized that God chooses out of his good grace to bless us and then never leave us and to forsake us. And when you realize this, you can't help but do what he did, and that's to turn back and to thank the one who has blessed you. You see, it's when we think we're entitled to something that we lose our perspective. This leper took a step of faith. God healed him, and he did not scurry off into town to tell his friends and family or the priests. He knew that there was one that was worthy of praise, and that was Jesus. 
Wouldn't it behoove us in our faith journey to just stop and count our blessings and to realize that James is right. In James 1.17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Maybe God, a few years ago, shut us up in our homes because of a virus that you can only see in a microscope to remind us that we're not as in control as we think we are. It's easy to forget, as my... Folks used to say, it's easy to forget where you done come from. You with me? It's easy to forget. But this one was not like the rest. He turned back. By the way, there are some here today, I want to tell you, it's not too late to turn back. You know what else he did different? He threw himself down. He threw himself down at Jesus' feet. He comes and he shows reverence for Jesus. Whereas before the man had to keep his distance from Jesus because of his disease. Now he comes near to Jesus and he falls on his face at Jesus' feet. The man's position on his face, at, on his face before Jesus' feet also shows proof of his humility. He owed everything to him. And so do we. We owe everything to Jesus and we should be the same way, to show reverence and to throw ourselves down before him. He wasn't claiming, Jesus did his part and I did mine. No, he said, it's only because of Jesus and because of that I fall at his feet. Jim Challey says this, we're called to have saving faith, but our faith doesn't end there. We trust God's purposes for the world because we believe that God is up to something. Do you believe that God is up to something in your life? He is. God's up to something. And he might be trying to get your attention. You see, when we stand before a holy God, when we appear before him, I'm, I'm, I should rather say, we won't be able to stand. Revelation 1 says we will fall at our feet before him. This leper, verse, 7, verse 16, says he comes to Jesus and he gives thanks to him. He falls down on his face before him. It reminds me of my friend's uh, from not far from here at another church that does mission work with the Maasai in Western Africa. They have unusual, an unusual way of saying thank you. You know how they do it? When they want to say thank you, the Maasai bow their forehead all the way to the ground and they say this, We have our face in the dust. My head is in the dirt. It's a picture of Luke 17. It should be a picture of all of us giving thanks before Him. Because giving Jesus honor is also giving the Father honor. Because John 5 says, He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father. Who sent Him? Another thing that this man does differently is he worshipped. He worshipped. He praised and thanked Jesus. He glorified God. That's what it says here. His praise was heartfelt. He glorified God with a loud voice. You have to remember that a leper, when they went through their disease, not only did their muscles atrophy, it also included their voice. So for the very first time, he was able to speak clearly and plainly and to say loudly something. And the first thing he chose to say was to give praise to God. What a beautiful picture. 
of what we should all be before Jesus. You see, ten might have been healed, but only one was truly made well. And the amazing thing is not only was he unclean due to leprosy, the passage is very clear to point out that this man was a Samaritan hated by many in society. So he was unclean in two regards. And Jesus set him free beyond measure. And therefore Jesus was worthy of praise. You see, gratitude was a natural response of being made whole. You see, praise the Lord is not to be a slogan. It should be a way of life. When we've been made whole by the power of God and we know we don't deserve it, it's the natural outflow of our heart in gratitude. Praise the Lord. See, we are to be thankful not only about the things we like, but also about the circumstances we don't like. Because I'm sure, I'm absolutely sure that there are many in this room that you are thinking of things in your life that is a burden, and I'm praying that it doesn't become a source of bitterness. We're to thank God even in the difficult times because He's with us. You see, we can grieve and still be thankful. We can hurt and still be thankful. We can be angry and still be thankful. Giving thanks to God keeps our hearts in right relationship with Him. And it's the antidote to the worry and anxiety that many times holds us back. Philippians 4 puts it this way. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So let me close with this. Leprosy is a terrible disease. In a few hours, I'm going to say goodbye to a friend who died because of the effects of cancer. Cancer is a terrible disease. But sin is an even more terrible disease. It's a sin that touches each one of us. In fact, it infects all of us. And the only antidote is Jesus. It's Jesus. You see, Jesus is the holistic healer. Will he heal your body? Sure he will if you ask him. But you know what you really need is him to heal your soul. In fact, his desire is that no one should perish, but that all should come to repentance. You know, sometimes we struggle to be grateful in the hard times. Maybe some that you're enduring right now. Tim Challies, I think, put it well. He said, the sun doesn't change. But in the seasons, we perceive that it does. In reality, all that changes is our position with respect to it. In other words, what's true of God in the sunlight is also true of God in the darkness of the worst of days. The story is told about a man who was lost on the Appalachian Trail. Later, when he was found in describing his experience, he told how frightened he was and how desperate he became that he actually 
got down on his knees and prayed. Someone said, well, did God answer your prayer? He said, oh, no, before God had a chance, a park ranger came along and showed me the way out. There's somebody who just don't get it. (laughs) But like him, I wonder if sometimes we aren't that way. We're blind to the many blessings that God daily showers on us. We awake and we see the sun shining and we do not give thanks to God. We just bemoan the fact that we have to get out of bed. We hear the birds chirping and the beautiful flowers and trees, but we don't give a moment's thought to God's blessing by making such a beautiful tapestry in this beautiful valley in which we live. We grumble about having to eat the same old cereal, forgetting that many times there are many people in the world who would gladly exchange places with us to be able to eat anything for breakfast. We complain about our jobs, forgetting that many would be grateful just to have a job or to have the bodily strength to go to work. We complain about the lack of money, forgetting that we spend more on entertainment and our pets each month than many around the world live on. The simple fact is God has blessed you far more than you realize and far more than you deserve. It's important to understand how to respond properly to God's abundant blessings, to be oblivious to the fact that God is blessing you, or even worse, to take credit for His blessings as if you earned them by your own efforts. That is an affront to God. The only proper response is to glorify God with a thankful heart. Again, if you never learn to speak the language of gratitude, you will never be on speaking terms with happiness. May God teach us that out of our hearts shows what's truly in our hearts. May it be gratefulness to the God who's been so good to us. Far beyond what we could ever ask or imagine. Will you pray with me? God, we realize that thankfulness does indeed make the difference. It is revealing of what's in our heart, but also it can be transforming when we make the choice to approach life from an attitude of gratitude. And may this week be just a display of our recognition that Jesus is the great blesser of the world. And may that attitude of gratitude, may it begin in such a way that it transforms our relationship with you. May we come to the point that we understand that we are indeed like those lepers. We are are broken and in need of healing and that Jesus is the healer. He can take our sin and forgive us and to give us new life, new hope and help that can only come from Him. And I pray, Lord... For those within the sound of my voice in this room, this very morning, Lord, that you might set some of them free, that they might be saved and walk with you. But, Lord, we also come as a needy people to realize that not only does thankfulness and gratitude show what's in our heart, but also is a way, the first step 
to change our heart to make our lives have the perspective of being thankful for what you have done, not what we wish you would do. Oh, Jesus, may you set some people free this morning. May you remind us we have much to be thankful for. And above it all, above all of them, above all those things, is that you're a God who keeps your promises. And from the very beginning of time and creation, you plan to send us a rescuer. And you did in the person of Jesus. And Lord, may you rescue. Remind us that thankful hearts are a beautiful flag of allegiance to you. Thank you for Jesus who died that we might have life. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the North Roanoke podcast. You can connect with us at northroanoke.org or download our app in your device's app store. Just search for North Roanoke. We hope to meet you soon.